You're listening to The Naked Pravda. This is a new show from Medusa, our first English language podcast. So please don't be shy about recommending us to your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in. Well, imagine if kind of in class relations, someone referring to you in this class every time remembers that you farted. Welcome to The Naked Pravda, a new podcast that highlights how Medusa's top reporting intersects with the wider research and expertise that exists out there about Russia. I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, the managing editor of Medusa's English Language Edition. And by the end of this show, I'm going to work my way back to what you just heard about farting. For now, suffice it to say that we'll be talking about tabloid journalism and the Russian state's perception of how it's depicted in the British and American news media. If you're listening to me now, there's a good chance that you read news reports about Russia. You may have heard of Moscow correspondents, past and present, like Julia Yoffe, Sean Walker, Joshua Yaffa, Natalia Vasilyeva, and I don't know, others. Lots of, lots of folks. But have you ever heard of a guy named Will Stewart? He's from the UK originally, and on the Daily Mail's website alone, his byline appeared on roughly 220 texts in just the first six months of 2019. In other words, for this single publication, he averaged two articles every weekday. When combined over the same period, The Sun, The Daily Mail, The Daily Mirror, and The Daily Express released at least 600 stories from Russia written by Stewart. Now, you might not be familiar with British tabloids, but the headlines alone on these articles with Stewart's byline should give you a good idea of the quality of journalism here. Let me read a few. Russian Boy 8 has buckwheat surgically removed. Two Santas brawl in a Russian shopping mall. Female warrior was buried with legs wide apart in the riding position 2,400 years ago. Russian village is under siege from 56, 56 is capitalized, 56 polar bears. And there are many more. All these headlines are from stories published in the last two weeks. For someone so prolific, Will Stewart manages to keep a remarkably low profile. I started looking into this person and turns out that he was quite an enigma, this Will Stewart guy. And one thing that really stood out when I started researching him, is the, uh, is the sheer volume of his output. It couldn't possibly be just one single person writing all these stories who must be making tons of money, <laughs> unlike everyone else. <laughs> That's Alexei Kavalyov, the head of investigative reporting at Medusa, who profiles Stewart's bizarre career in journalism in an article this October. Alexei says he started on the story when he noticed something weird about Stewart's work. There was the same byline on all, all of these articles that were indeed quite bizarre. You know, these, uh, uh, all this gore and crime uh, and bizarre murders in Russia, all these, you know, weird Russian stories that uh, you see every once in a while. And I, I talked to a few people and uh, some of the people even had these... Um, suspicion that he might be, this William Stewart cannot possibly be real. That must be someone's 
pseudonym, or it can be uh, uh, someone is using a, a fake name to uh, to make some money on the side. It took me some uh, uh, took me quite a while to track him down, but I did actually find out that this person is real. So Will Stewart is a real person, but how on earth does he manage to write so much? After all, he's just one guy. It's not just one person writing all of this. Uh, that's a, a team of Russian reporters that he employs to uh, uh, scour the, the scrape the bottom of the barrel in Russian media, all the tabloids and obscure little websites for the most bizarre stories he can find. And then he repackages them for all these different tabloids all over the world. And that's kind of his business model. It's a hell of a business model, but Will Stewart didn't start out as a repackager of Russian trash reporting. Alexei looked through archives of his work and found that Stewart was actually a hard hitter back in the day. I think a few a few years ago, or maybe a decade ago, he did file a lot of original reporting. I mean, he parachuted here in Moscow in 1992 uh, in a very underreported time, I'd say, both in Russia and outside. I mean, very few people know uh, what actually went on in Russia in 1992. But he was the first to see, for example, the authoritarian tendencies in Boris Yeltsin. He was very explicit about this. And I found an article from October 1992, an entire year before the coup d'etat against Yeltsin, which he literally crushed with tanks. He was there and he reported uh, right from right there from the, from the front lines of what looked like an unfolding civil war. Generally, he was very uh, incisive, this old school reporting. The way I see him is quite a, it's quite a sad story because he was a pretty serious journalist back then, uh, back in the early 90s. And he was the political editor for the Daily Express, which is today a very different newspaper from what it used to be uh, in the 80s and 90s. So his, his career trajectory kind of represents the, uh, the general decline of media standards everywhere, including Russia. Okay, so Will Stewart, team of stringers translating and rewriting Russian tabloid reports for the British tabloids. Sounds like kind of crappy work, right? Actually, it's a coveted gig, Alexei discovered. I asked him why the staff takes this stuff so seriously. If you were realistic, it's very solid experience in terms of modern media business. I mean, that's, that's, the kind of the, that's the kind of content that brings you clicks. So it's a career launching pad of sorts? Well, yes and no. Uh, most of them still work for the same agency. Uh, so people working for him, as far as, far as I could gather are all regional Russian journalists. And for them, it is indeed quite a career trajectory uh, to go from a local newspaper in Moscow to be writing for one of the biggest tabloids and uh, biggest newspapers uh, in the United Kingdom. And it is quite an experience indeed. Okay. While you're pondering all this information about Mr. Will Stewart, journey with me, if you will, to October 14th, 2019, when the Russian state news agency, Rosia Sivodnya, releases a study titled Octopus One, devoted to how the foreign press covers Russia. According to the authors, the research project's name reflects how the country is depicted abroad. And nothing has changed in 150 years, 
they argue. The agency's communications director tells an audience of journalists come to hear about the research that his team of experts analyzed roughly 80,000 articles published in the first half of 2019 by outlets in G7 countries, and then they coded these texts as either negative, neutral, or positive. Negative content, he explains, is coverage where the role, actions, policies, or something else related to the article and to Russia is absolutely and unambiguously assessed negatively. More than a third of the study sample, 25,000 articles, are from the UK. Garcia Cebuña says the three worst offenders here are the competing tabloids, the Daily Mail and the Daily Express, two outlets that are both among the country's top 10 most circulated papers. The former is in third place with 1.3 million copies sold a day, and the latter is in ninth place with about 300,000 copies sold every day. Before we go forward, let me just clarify that Garcia Cebuña, which means Russia today, is not the same as the television network RT, which used to be known as Russia Today, albeit in English. Both organizations, however, are news agencies owned and operated by the Russian government, and both outlets have come under criticism abroad as Russian propaganda efforts. Just to make matters more confusing, by the way, the same woman, Margarita Simonyan, serves as editor-in-chief at both Russia Sivodnya and RT. It's kind of funny when you think about it. Okay, so we've got this media study from Russia Sivodnya published in October. And the foreign ministry and some other state officials promptly cited as evidence that the Western media is unfair to Russia. But how solid is this evidence? You know, this complaint that, you know, we're, we're not being covered in a positive light. I thought, well, then don't invade other countries because <laughs> that's not going to reap you some positive coverage. That's Sarah Oates, a professor in the College of Journalism at the University of Maryland in the United States. She specializes in political communication and democratization. And before coming to academia, she reported for news outlets like the Orlando Sentinel and the New York Times. Sarah says all countries care about how they're depicted around the world. But while Garcia Sivonia's report focuses on the negativity of Western media coverage, she suspects it's the trivialization of Russia that most offends officials in Moscow. How your country is perceived in other countries is important. It's important for business. It's important for tourism. But most of all, it's important for whether you're perceived as a world player. So you, you want to get attention from the media in other countries. You want them to, to notice you. You really want them to respect you. And you might even want them to like you. But I think maybe it was this trivialization of Russia. It was this reduction of Russia to sort of just a punchline in a joke or, or a, uh, another ridiculous character in some silly tabloid story you know, worse than being, you know, hated and feared is, is being ignored or trivialized. Alexei Kavalyov thinks Russians are actually uniquely concerned with how they're viewed from abroad. And this neurosis, he says, drives the perception that outsiders are unfairly negative or that they unfairly treat Russia as some exotic place. Will Stewart's story is significant here because his supposed sins in reporting are mostly copied from Russia's domestic tabloids. Not just the Russian officials, but uh, Russians in general are quite unique in that they are quite obsessed with uh, how they are seen from the outside. Kind of a national complex of inferiority in Russia that fuels a lot of these arguments that foreign media are biased against Russia. I mean, what is actually, what is negative coverage? I mean, if you look at the same outlets that many Russians, including Russian officials, are accusing of biased and negative coverage of Russia, if you look at the domestic coverage, it turns out that it's a lot more negative. The irony with the Will Stewart's stories is that 
a lot of them are patch written from Russian tabloids. So they're originally Russian stories. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is hilarious, right? Yeah, which is which is a whole other layer of irony here. Uh, is that we're looking in some kind of you know broken mirror. Sarah Oates says there might be a silver lining in all this, insofar as the negative, terrible, no good coverage Russia gets in the U.S. at least isn't very extensive. The good news for Russia on that is it, that's barely covered in the United States. Uh, there's there's very little coverage. Uh, there's very little foreign media coverage anymore in the United States. There was never a lot, but since the big cutbacks to journalism, there's very little coverage and very little meaningful coverage of, of what's happening abroad. I asked her if America's current partisan environment, what with the Russia collusion allegations against Donald Trump's team and so on, has maybe changed things fundamentally in the United States. For example, if we limited a sentiment analysis to positive and negative Russia coverage in the Republican-leaning news media, would we see dramatically different results? I don't think they would really be talking about Russia as Russia much at all. I, I think there might be slightly more positive on on Putin, less fear-mongering, less upset. But I don't think they'd be going so far as to say supportive things about Russia. One of the most important underlying facts here, Sarah argues, is that Americans don't particularly care about Russia. The Russian language is actually less studied in the U.S. than Latin. 24,866 people studied Latin in 2016, and 20,353 studied Russian. This is a study done by the Modern Language Association. The younger generation, they don't know know anything about Russia. Russia's just kind of a, a blank. It's just uh, a country that their parents don't seem to like very much, but they're not very interested in finding out more about it. And now, the only place Russia is really going to come up is in connection with the Mueller report, with Trump, with something maybe shady going on with the president. You and I have been to Russia. No, there's tons of positive stuff about Russia. But that's not what media outlets are interested or choose to pursue. They're going to look at how this foreign country, whether it's Russia or China, whatever, how it intersects with the U.S. government. And what's the biggest story? The 2016 Russian election interference. And that's not a warm fuzzy for the American public. While Sarah acknowledges these shortcomings in the American press, she nevertheless says that Garcia Cebolla's media analysis and its focus on British tabloids are deeply flawed. If a grad student had brought her this work, she says she would have handed it back. It wasn't so much the affect stuff in the report that, that surprised me so much. It was the focus on, on British tabloids. British tabloids are not indicative of Western media coverage in general. They're not in sort of the serious news model that of the New York Times or the BBC or something like that. They're kind of odd, British tabloids. They've been known to make things up, to lie, to exaggerate. I don't think that's indicative of, you know, general journalistic coverage of Russia. If, if a graduate student had handed me that as a research report, I would have said, this doesn't work. To get a better understanding of why Garcia Sivodnia would commission this study in the first place, I spoke to Vasily Gathov, currently a visiting fellow at the University of Southern California's Annenberg Center on Communication Leadership and Policy. From 2011 to 2013, Vasily actually worked at Ria Novosti, Garcia Sivodnia's institutional predecessor, researching internet bots, trolls, fake news, things like that. To grasp 
why a sentiment analysis of the Western media is worth anything to Russian officials. Vasily says you've got to wrap your head around the idea that there are two groups currently ruling Russia, and one of them is a bunch of PR specialists. Russia is being ruled today by a strange symbiosis of security specialists or security officers of different kinds and public relations specialists. And uh, they form kind of a natural partnership where each side is responsible for something. Security specialists really make decisions because they are more qualified to do that, uh, but uh, they're not able to explain what they're doing to general public and especially outside of the country. Therefore, they have to have kind of partners that are capable of developing messages. But this isn't an equal relationship, and the PR guys constantly need to remind the security folks that they need the PR guys. So they scare them into believing it, says Vasily. The downside of this is that people who work in kind of state public relations, they need to prove that they're necessary, that they always are important for for this partnership. So because they're kind of clever in their own way, they, they need to scare their partners. So they start to develop an image of information warfare against Russia. It's sometimes close to reality. Sometimes it's absolutely disconnected. But that's one of their tools to explain to Putin and his ilk why it's so important to keep all this piarshiki in in a game. But Russian state media professionals wield more than fear. Vasily says they've also got analytical tools unlike anything in Russia's security apparatus. And for decision makers in the government, it looks something like magic. And they understand how monitoring works. They understand how to interpret the results of the media monitoring. And that's different from what spies or diplomats or counterintelligence officers are used to. I can tell you, I mean, from, from my own experience working for Russian corporations and government and so on, the idea of uh, deciphering the media buzz uh, for executives, it's like magic for them. So how did Vladimir Putin come to lean so heavily on PR? Vasily says it all started out very rationally, but early traumas in Putin's presidency transformed media management into a central pillar of his regime. Initially, when he just came to power, well, he had some reasons to think so, because he was in fight with Berezovsky and Gusinsky. They were using media as a weapon against him and his, um, and, and his ministers. Vasily is referring here to Boris Berezovsky and Vladimir Gusinsky, two oligarchs Berezovsky died in 2013, who once wielded enormous media empires inside Russia before they were forced to divest after Putin came to office. Of course, that all created a certain kind of a trauma for him. But then he started, with the help of this Piarshiki, to kind of realize that this plot is everywhere. Like Sarah Oates, Vasily has issues with the methodology used in Rasiya Sivodina's report. Negativity and unfairness aren't the same, he argues. And you corrupt a data set meant to represent real journalism when you include tabloid reporting. Russians, strangely enough, I mean, and, and, and Putin for here is just a kind of a, an exemplary Russian. I mean, they think that 
when, when Russia is mentioned as a country or as a territory or as a society in connection with something unpleasant or bad or socially rejected, that means that Russia is kind of humiliated and disparaged, which is not true. Because, I mean, in, in most cases, crime has no nationality. In most cases, I mean, rudeness has no nationality. This always cues your data set. Negative should not be equalized with critical. I mean, that's, that's the first observation. Most of the coverage Russia receives in the Western media is critical, based on kind of disagreement with Russian policy, with Russian handling of economic and social issues, and so on. Critical doesn't mean negative. Critical is a signal that something in your behavior as a country or as a nation or as a politician needs to be addressed. But Vladimir Putin hardly has a monopoly on sensitivity when it comes to foreign reporting about Russia. When Alexei Kovalev started out as a journalist, for example, his beat was show business, and he says a lot of it boiled down to getting absurd quotes from visiting Western celebrities about their first impressions of Moscow. It was dumb, but the Russian public still wanted it. I did cover uh, show business for, uh, for a while uh, in my uh, early career, and I would go to all these and I would go to all these press conferences uh, with foreign show business stars, and invariably at every uh, uh, conference, for example, when a uh, when a rock star arrives in Moscow uh, as part of a world tour, the first question invariably is, "So how do you love, how do you find Russia? What do you think about Russia?" I mean, the person you know, the person's entire experience of Russia is a few hours uh, driving from the airport. Uh, to his hotel in Lima. Uh, <laughs> and of course, they would, uh, and invariably, of course, the, the answer would be a few platitudes about how they liked uh, Russian women and uh, Russian vodka or whatever. And that's the stuff that would make headlines like, oh my God, this foreign person likes Russia. Breaking news. And Western tabloids might like running wild stories about Russia. But as Sarah Oates points out, tabloids in America have their hands full with crap right here at home. I mean, crazy things happen in the United States all the time. Snakes eating things that are bigger than snakes. Snakes eating things. Oh, you know, an alligator's always eating someone in somewhere and, you know, or dogs riding motorcycles, whatever. You know, there's, there's, America has, has this, this incredible treasure trove of really crazy stories. And those are just the crazy ones. I mean, you could get into some very serious societal criticism with things, you know, sadly, you know, with massacres and shootings and, you know, all the other issues and problems we have. And here's where I'd like to return to the audio clip I played at the start of the episode. You know the one. It's where Vasily Gatov talks about farting in class. He compares, he, he very cautiously compares schoolyard teasing to the treatment Russia gets in the international press. And he explains why it's become annoying for millions of Russians. I'll play it again here with some more context. Well, imagine if kind of in class relations, someone referring to you in this class every time remembers that you farted. So, I mean, um, answer me, Kevin, who farted on this day. And, I mean, uh, give me this pencil, Kevin, who farted on this day. That's exactly what, uh, and, and, I mean, like, you probably would, would try to kind of to self-reflect on that. Okay, 
initially, okay, fine. I mean, I farted. But, but then, like, 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 then it happens for the fourth year in a row. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a little bit too much. And, um, again, I mean, I'm not saying that, that, that what Russia did is he farted in the class. I mean, it's much worse, but, but, but what is important that, that this, this is exactly what creates a backlash. And that, that's exactly what justifies all this anti-American, anti-Western hysteria for journalists who work there, for people who serve Putin as journalists. Unfortunately, for those hoping for better days for journalism about Russia and better public diplomacy that engages Russia and the West, the business of tabloid repackaging and the political necessity of these agitating talking points, they don't appear to be going anywhere. But this outrage serves a purpose, too. It sustains the weird symbiosis between security and PR elites that Vasily described, and it provides Russian state officials with their own irritating talking points. So everybody wins, as everybody loses. You've been listening to The Naked Pravda, a new podcast that highlights how Medusa's top reporting intersects with the wider research and expertise that exists about Russia. Today, we looked at tabloid journalism and the Russian state's perception of how it's depicted in the British and American news media. You heard from me, Kevin Rothrock, the managing editor of Medusa's English language edition, Alexei Kovalyov, the head of investigative reporting at Medusa, Sarah Oates, a professor in the College of Journalism at the University of Maryland, and Vasily Gatov a visiting fellow at the University of Southern California. On the next episode of this show, we'll be discussing Kremlin clan politics and the power of the presidential administration. The Naked Pravda is a new podcast from Medusa, our first English language show. Imagine that. And I hope you'll recommend us to your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in to help put this program in front of more ears, more brains. You, you know how it works. It's a podcast. You listen to it. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. Mm-hmm.